Hello, spreaders, and welcome to The Spread. I'm your host, Kaz. I just wanted to say a really quick thank you to all of you that have been listening to the podcast and have had a chance to listen to all of our episodes. I honestly need you to know that we truly appreciate you. And yes, we do receive all of your emails and your DM messages. And I do respond to all of you, actually, unless you're sending me some nasty ass messages and I don't respond. But on social media, when you do slide into the DM or when you do email us, I mean, we're very grateful for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Before we begin today's episode, a few housekeeping announcements. We are hosting another The Spread Live episode. Yes, we love it, we love it, we love it. It's happening on the 2nd November at Ikigai, which is where we've always had our The Spread Live episodes, and tickets are available on mymook.com, but there's a direct link in the descriptions below. Please make sure that you get them now because we are almost sold out. I know, it's so exciting. So this time around, we are interested in holding uh, a a few different things. One of them is a non-monogamous meetup for all my poly people and swingers and all of the people who've been reaching out to me on email and sliding into the DM. I figured this would be such a great way for us to have like a mix and mingle for all of you guys to get to know each other. And then we could take it from there. This would be like our first step, like our first date. And we will also be incorporating some very cool games as well that we can play and learn in a really safe environment. And of course, we will be having the live recording of the podcast episode. What do you guys want us to talk about? Please share your thoughts, slide into our DM or send us an email. We are at the spread pod on all social platforms and you can email us with more intimate stuff, of course, on host at the spread podcast.com. Boy, kiss me, I'm dying to find a deep meaning. It could be the simplest crime. One of the most important reasons we are so popular is because of you guys. You guys made us. Like, you went onto Apple Podcasts and you gave us five stars and you wrote really dope reviews. And if you haven't already, wherever you're listening from and wherever you're listening to us, please go ahead. Leave us five stars. Just drop a review, regardless of how short it is, just so that we can stay on top of things and pay our bills. Because the more popular we are, the more people want to give us money and we can keep the lights on, basically. We're just trying to pay the rent and keep the lights on guys and remember of course if you're in Nairobi you can come and see us every Sunday we host the Nairobi flea market but we don't host it but the same company that hosts the spread podcast is the same company that hosts the Nairobi flea market every Sunday in Nairobi at the Alchemist Bar in Westlands we're open from 11am a lot of really dope crafts we have live music in the evenings we have really cool DJs actually that rotate every Sunday and honestly if you're in Nairobi Sunday like the Sunday plan is to be at The Alchemist. Follow at the Nairobi Flea Market on all social platforms for more details. One last thing before we jump in, the spread is really trying to help our dear friend Jambi raise money to help pay her hospital bills while she's been in Atlanta. Guys, like honestly, like $5, $1. If you're in Kenya, just like 100 shillings. 
I mean, I feel like if everybody donated like one dollar, we would be able to take her really far. If everybody listening to this episode just spent one dollar or 100 shillings or one euro or wherever in the world you're listening from, if we all did that, like we would be able to help her offset her bills. She's really struggled. And I I think this girl needs a break, guys. Hi, um, my name is uh, Mary Jambi Koikai. Um, and I'm in the U.S. Uh, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, currently receiving treatment for endometriosis and uh, thoracic endometriosis. I've been suffering from this um, condition for the last 19 years. Um, and uh, three years ago, the endometriosis spread to my lungs. And uh, I've undergone 12 surgeries uh, before I came to the Center for Endometriosis Care and saw Dr. Sinavo. Um, who's the lead surgeon at uh, the Center for Endometriosis Care. The only cure known for endometriosis is um, excision surgery, which is what I received here at in Atlanta. They cut out all the disease in areas that it's been growing. Any help that you can send her way will be deeply appreciated. It's www.gofundme.com uh, slash Jambi's Endofund. So that's N-J-A-M-B-I-S. E-N-D-O-F-U-N-D. That's Jambi's End of Fund. Whatever little you can donate, we would really appreciate it because it would go a long way to make sure um, I have all the treatment that's necessary and the therapies that's necessary because they're quite, um, they're, they're all required for my healing process. And I just want to thank everybody who supported us this far. It's not been an easy journey. Um, and I also hope to raise more awareness about this disease that's affecting more than 176 million women worldwide. And let's get right into this week's episode. As you know, I love and admire the work of Jet Setting Jasmine and King Noir. I have for a few years now, and I'm so grateful that I got the opportunity to work with them and continue to pursue that relationship with them. They recently had a baby boy majesty. For those of you that are following them on social media, they are always constantly posting pictures of this handsome little guy. He's so beautiful. And today he features on our episode. You want to you wanna go to Kenya? So if you sometimes hear like Jasmine or King are not on the microphone, they're probably off changing diapers or, you know, just being parents. And he does feature in today's episode. So that's really cool. He's our youngest guest. Yay. And um, importantly as well, because today's episode is about raising your kids in a safe and positive environment. And I feel like this particular episode is a lesson for everyone, whether or not you are a parent, because it really helps you deal with other human beings from a non-judgmental point. And for those of you who don't already know this, Jasmine is a clinical therapist with her own practice, and we have decided to partner with her so that she can provide online sessions exclusively for the spread listeners. So ordinarily, Jasmine's sessions would be extremely expensive but specifically for the spread listeners there is a discount if you listen to the episode until the end all the details will be there and of course if you're following us on social media specifically on instagram we will be able to share more of those details in the coming weeks so please be sure to do that all of the details are in the description box below and we at the spread we fully support anybody with mental health issues i suffer from depression so i am very 
very much aware of my mental health at any given time. Every time I travel, I do see a therapist. So I feel like it's really important for people to be able to deal with their situations in ways that they can. And so for this reason, we have partnered with Blue Pearl Therapy, which is Jasmine's therapy company, to be able to help you guys. Let's get to it. So take my hand and run away with me. So far away that we won't follow me. Let me twist into your song. Hey, cause so guys, once again in the studio today we have Jet Setting Jasmine and King Noir. Yes, yes, it's good to be back. Yeah, and everybody loves you. I think the episodes that we've recorded with you are one of the most listened to episodes on the spread. Really? Yeah. Wow. I think, I think you should be a permanent guest host. Ooh. There's a job opening. I like this. I think we're being interviewed. <laughs> I'm with it. I'm with it. I, I think that also somehow means that we have to come to Kenya. I do. I think that's where our home office is. Yes, that is where our home office is. <laughs> Let's get it. <laughs> okay, so I'm really always happy to uh, connect with you and also just really grateful because a lot of the connections that I've made while I'm in the States has been because I started with both of you. So I'm very grateful. Actually, all of my podcasts, I'm talking about you guys for the most part. I think uh, that's why everybody's, that's why everyone on Instagram is just like, so are you guys fucking? I'm blushing. (laughs) (laughs) She is. (laughs) Um, So um, today we want to just maybe talk a little bit more I know that you've been going around the U.S. touring with Porn and Parenting, which I think is fantastic. And congratulations on your baby. Okay. Thank you. For those of you who are not following, um, just please go on at Jet Setting Jasmine and at King Noir on Instagram, on Twitter and on Facebook. Are you on Facebook as well? Yes, The King Noir on Facebook. I think because the King Noir page got Facebook deleted. I think they should be a term. It should be Facebooked. <laughs> it got that Facebook got closed. <laughs> yeah. And so uh Jasmine and King just had a baby boy, a very beautiful yes. baby boy who looks Majesty. Who looks just like King. I win. <laughs> What's the prize? I guess uh you have to pay child support now. <laughs> Not a problem. <laughs> I'll pay in milk. Yeah. It's we're worth making, its weight in gold, we're making, though. We're making that money. And Did so after the birth of their child, they've been touring uh, the U.S. mostly, right? Actually, since he's been born. Yes, since he's been born. Well, yeah, we've been touring since he's been, um, since I was pregnant with him. We haven't stopped touring. I guess that's the point. Well, we, we stopped for a couple months before he was born and then a month after he was born. So once he was one month old, we we did uh, Exotica Miami, we did the Woodhall Sexual Freedom Summit in D.C., we did uh, Naughty in New Orleans, we and now we're here in Atlanta for Sex Down South. Yes, he's a jet-setting baby. He is, he is. He's been all over already. His his frequent flyer miles are crazy. Yeah. He's gonna be. He's actually gonna be flying for free, and like by the time he's five, because his miles will add up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they gotta have him be a spokesperson. (laughs) So you've been talking a lot about uh, what it's been like. uh, I guess 
Jasmine, you already have kids, mm-hmm. and or both of you, you already have kids, and now after how many years is the gap between the last child and Majesty? Yes, so our middle child is fourteen, <sighs> mm-hmm. and Th- the oldest is seventeen. Does it feel like brand new? Some parts of it do. Yeah, um, there's so many like new gadgets and like also the way of um, like the standards for parenting, like things that they previous that were previously um, recommended or no longer recommended, like things like that. That part is new. Uh, our life, my life is just different, completely different. I do um, different different work. I'm with a supportive partner. So, so many of those things are, are completely different, but like the maternal instinct and, and that stuff's all the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can recognize it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can. Some things are just like, oh yeah, that's, you know, that's what he's doing. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Got it. Um, this hurts because of this or, you know, that, that type of thing. I think having Google now um, has made things like has validated things like, you know, things that I, I just relied on my motherly instinct for with the girls. Now I can like, you know, go to Google and make Dr. sure that Google. me and all the mothers in the world are feeling the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can understand. Technology that. has different, has, has definitely changed parenting in a lot of different ways because, you know, before if there was something that might be wrong, God forbid, you know, you might have to ask all the, mothers in the neighborhood but now you can pretty much ask all the mothers in the world or you can reference doctors and gets introduced into their lives so it's definitely different in that sense and so with the tour and porn and parenting what exactly is that about so we're using uh our platform that you know that we are that already existed with us being sex educators and entertainers um we're using this as an opportunity to talk about really two approaches one is how to safeguard children from um, all the things that just are not nice in the world related to sex so um, children accessing pornography and kind of what that does uh, there's unfortunately not a a great deal that parents can do at this point because of what King just said the access to technology and really just the pervasiveness of sex and um, in in media um, just in everything and so what can you do to make sure that your children are interpreting what they may be seeing or that they may be exposed to earlier than some of us were exposed to Um, how do we help them make sense of of sex in a way that they can later translate it to being appropriate for them to have and enjoy and enjoy safely when they're adults. So how can we start sex education um, early from a pleasure-based standpoint versus, um, you know, punitive and scary, sex being scary. So that's one angle. The other angle is, you know, how do we as parents continue to have a healthy sex life, um, have intimacy with each other despite our schedule having to change, our priorities shifting, um, also, you know, even with that, like, how do we be, how are we role models to our children with showing our healthy intimacy, healthy relationship habits? So, um, it's, it's a discussion and it's real, it's been really neat as we've been touring, the discussion has been different in each setting because of who's in the audience, the age range of children, you know, what age range, um, 
what experience the you know we had a uh, talk with the swingers at naughty new orleans and that discussion was a little bit different than the audience at fetcon um you know people have different things that they're struggling with in terms of how they introduce their lifestyle to their children um, or how they dealt with their own shame and guilt to get to the point of accepting who they are and how they're going to prevent passing that off to their children i feel like this is something that everyone around the world needs to learn um so how is one of the ways that we can actually make these discussions, well, other than this red podcast, accessible to people. How is it that um, we can share the knowledge? Well, definitely come to everywhere that we are holding uh, holding these discussions and talks. Uh, we will actually be doing some that will be online that people can share. But I think really it comes down to where all things, it's being open and honest about who you are and obviously the conversation that you're going to have with your children is going to be age appropriate. You know, you're not going to just blurt out any old thing, but it is important to start talking to them young and letting them know, you know, a lot a lot I know a lot of people they'll say, you know, mommy and daddy express our love in this way. You know, and to start there is good, but you don't want to be saying that to them when they're 14, 15 and actually getting into high school where sex is getting, you know, it in, in reality where a lot of kids start experimenting with sex. You want to actually say, this is a condom and this is a very important tool that you'll need in your life to be able to be protected and safe. Or you can say, or what consent is about. You know, people aren't allowed to just touch you if you don't want them to. And this is an appropriate way to touch, an appropriate way not to touch others and have others to present themselves to you. So I think it's very important to be able to do that. So one of the things, in addition to touring um, and hitting some of the points that King just talked about, um, we just launched through Blue Pearl Therapy, which um, you may or, or may not know we... Um, do you want to tell them what Blue Pearl Therapy is? <laughs> so... Um, so I'm the owner and lead therapist of Blue Pearl Therapy, and we are now launching um, bringing therapy in the home so um, and coaching with some of our child um, therapists and child development specialists, um, staff, coaching families into how to have these conversations or um, helping them just do some parenting in, in home. So we know that our kids are like, they know FaceTime. They got FaceTime down packed. They know, you know, they use their tablets. And parents always, or not always, parents often have excuses and really good excuses as to why they can't bring their kids to therapy. It's either too expensive, it's too far, um, it's, you know, it's just, it can be really challenging. So we're bringing our services in the homes of families. So helping to have some of these challenging conversations or helping the parents develop age appropriate language and, and helping to facilitate these conversations in home. Cause I know that some of the conversations should begin, like when should the conversations begin? Like really, really early. Right away. How, how really mm -hmm. early are we talking? So let's just, let's just think, um, you know, we're sitting here with a two-month-old, right? And um, this kind of came up last, yesterday in our, in our session. Um, one of the women asked with her infant, how does she establish consent with, you know, even though it's a baby and she loves to give him kisses and hugs and cuddles, how do you s 
what what do we think about that? And so our response was, a, a baby is a human and is able to give nonverbal cues. So if you're kissing your baby all over their face and they're, you know, wiggling and squirming and it's clear that they don't want this touch and it's not necessary touch. It's not like I'm changing your diaper and we have to do this. Um, stop. And you're already giving that baby a, a response cue that if you show me non-verbally that you don't like something, if you can communicate to me that you don't like it, I'm going to respect that. Um, so that's one. The other is to start using an anatomically correct terminology from the beginning. You know, don't refer to their body parts by all kinds of different words that aren't actually what would be best communicated to somebody if they ever needed to, you know, report to the uh, some kind of authority or a teacher, like somebody touched me, you know? Like we, we always go back to one where it was like, some per re refer to their vagina as like a pocketbook or a coin purse. You know, if they run to somebody and say, you know, this person touched me on, touched my pocketbook, you know, they won't understand right away. And it could be frustrating for the kid. And the adult might start to think, well, maybe this kid is lying or something like that, you know. And also when that's what children refer to their body parts as, people who are predators, they look for things like that because they know that this child is uncomfortable or whoever taught this child is uncomfortable with their body so I can try and take advantage of that, you know. So it's very important to tell them like penis, vagina, breast you know, buttocks, whatever it is. So that way, if they do have to go to somebody and say, hey, this person touched me inappropriately in this body part, they'll be very on point with how they're explaining it. There's actually a lot of questions around that. Uh, mm -hmm. What I did was when I knew that I was going to do this interview, I reached out to some people, some of whom are new mothers, mm -hmm. um, new parents, and some of whom are aunties or uncles sure. um so a lot of people did respond with some questions if you don't mind we're oh, gonna go please. through them mm -hmm. <laughs> okay the first one is actually for you king mm -hmm. um does breastfeeding affect sex from your perspective no not at all and like what's the experience <laughs> okay so um actually i think <laughs> i think we'll start with have you been intimate since uh the birth of your baby yes Okay. Has is there any way that breastfeeding affects you like during sex? During sex? Yeah. No. I mean what what was I it? Think like, it's one what of the, the one of the times we were we were getting it in or whatever she I th I thought her breast had an orgasm cuz it was yeah. just yeah, it was just like leaking milk everywhere and I thought that shit was sexy as fuck. I was like, "Oh man, this is the circle of life right here." See, so you are affected. Oh, I I mean, yeah. Was, <laughs> I guess in a positive way. You know what I mean? I think, um, I don't know. I think I was actually talking about this to Jazz. It was actually, it was earlier today. I was just like, when, when we're in this like moment of just parental everything and I'm like watching her love him and I love him and we love each other. Like to me, that's a turn on because it's like love at its, at its height. So I don't think that anything in regards to the natural, effects of childbirth or or just the human cycle of life is is ever a bad effect i think it's a good one plus jasmine's milk tastes nice it is so sweet it's like <laughs> condensed milk without the <laughs> preservatives and shit like it's amazing it you is. are the only two adults that know that 
Yes. <laughs> and, I, and let me tell you, this is, I'm very proud of this. I'm very, very proud of this. He's mad right now. Yeah, he's, he's like, just I'm like. sharing my milk. <laughs> he's not having, he's just like, but whatever. you know, that's going to lead to a whole lot more Instagram questions for you. Oh, people can ask questions all they want. Nobody's yes. going to stop them. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Mostly about what does it taste like. <laughs> but, you know, I know that question was for it's King. Like Applejack. Like after you eat Apple Jacks, the milk that's in yeah, the, the bottom of the, the bottom cereal, of the cereal that's bowl. That's exactly what it tastes like. After exactly Apple Jacks, that shit is like. amazing. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. No I just want to thank my mom. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone that had anything to do. Um, but, you know, I will say, and it's not, it's not a negative thing. It's just kind of like something that you have to work around is like a, just like when we were pregnant, there are certain things like my breasts are more are more sensitive and not necessarily in a like sexual way. It's like they're full. So I can't like lay on them or he can't fully body press on me in the same way. So we have some, you know, we've had to make some accommodations, but it's nothing like having a nine month old belly all over again yeah that's different between the two of you uh-huh <laughs> do you do you discuss like who's gonna be on baby changing duties yeah we established that before he got here so it's king he, <laughs> he is the changer um it's shared responsibilities because i i'm solely breastfeeding um and we only use the bottle when we're when i'm not available like you know we have to leave him with um with the kids or something so because of that I have to be on demand um, to him. So yeah. this is King's way of participating. Like it is, it is. And it's like mm-hmm. immediately um, after he eats, he shits. So we're both on a feeding, you know, feeding changing schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's sometimes like that if I wake up earlier in the morning, um, sometimes I'll do it, but then sometimes I don't want to take that. I don't want to take his bonding time. Or I also don't want to get into the habit of not sharing the responsibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's beautiful. It's um, also not very common. Yeah, we hear that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that but, about. But also you're not very common people. That's very true. I yeah. think it's important. I think it's there's so many reasons and ways that I think men disassociate themselves from their children. And I think as many possibilities and as many ways as you can be involved in being actually what a father is supposed to be the more bonded you are to your children i also think like if we don't look at it from the gender roles and we just look at parenting you know so he's parenting the kids have to have their diapers changed um so a parent needs to do that choose which one Mm -hmm. you know yeah Mm -hmm. um and then a lot of um fathers spending time with their kids uh often say i'm babysitting oh that is awful (laughs) so we try not to even use that word with our daughters yeah because um you're not babysitting you're spending time with your brother yeah or you are um doing what this family needs right now i think like if we're like going out on a date or Mm -hmm. something kind of special then yeah then you know you're babysitting or you're helping out in that way but if we have to work like you're putting in work for this family by making sure that everyone is covered yeah and yeah no um i don't think that you can babysit your own children i don't believe in that yeah i don't think so either i don't like that term me neither um and just like to segue off jasmine this question is for you to segue off of like post 
baby sex Mm -hmm. has it been different does it feel different like down to the nitty-gritty no okay so let me think about that (laughs) take your time about that not real i think the biggest thing for me is um like i'm not as flexible I, I wasn't, you know, no bendy straw before, but um, <laughs> I definitely feel like areas of my body have stiffened up. Okay. So, um, so from that perspective, yeah, I feel like I have some physical limitations. Um, what else is a little bit different? Does it feel different? Does your vagina feel different? No, it, it's healed. I don't know if I'm, you know, any more or less elastic than I was before, but um, I don't know. You have to ask him that. Is is d- does it feel the same? Does my <laughs> vagina feel the same? I didn't haven't asked him that. I guess because I don't care what the answer is, we're still gonna do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the people want to know. Does it feel different? Is, I it, d- know. is it different, King? Uh, no, not really. I mean, the the vagina snaps back. I mean, I don't. Uh, that's one of the reasons why they tell you to wait a certain amount of time so that she can heal up and go back to what she was in a way that won't be dangerous. You know what I mean? Like. I don't know. I think there's this weird. I don't know. It's kind of like people try to make it seem like a woman is tainted after she's had a baby or something like that. So then they say, "Oh, well, the vagina is different this way, that way, or whatever." But nah. And um, somebody asked, "Is there anything women can do other than Kegel exercises to improve post-baby sex life?" Um, stop focusing so much on it. Like nobody's going to turn your vagina down just <laughs> once you can get over that piece. Uh, I think we are very self-conscious about it because of those myths. And, um, I do think that some men, uh, maybe even women also like, like he said, like past this idea that, that it's not as tight or it's not as good. Um, I think there are other things that are going Your on. Dick ain't as big. Yeah, <laughs> that right. You're not as hard as you were before. Um, I think there's so many Hate other speech. things that are going on that don't have to do with the elasticity of the vagina. I think it has to do with like hormonally. How are you doing? Um, I know that when you're breastfeeding, you're not as wet as you um, because you you just don't have. Um, women may experience more vaginal dryness when they're breastfeeding. That may happen. But you should be using lube anyways, right? Um, other things, maybe you're not having sex as long because the baby's up and it's crying or you're tired. Yeah. Um, there are other things I think that are going on that make postpartum sex maybe not as appealing. Uh, and it doesn't really have to do, like everything doesn't have to do with if we if our vagina is tight or whatever but yeah kegels are important and for me like kegels have less to do with sexual pleasure and more to do with not being a pissy um old lady like i don't want to be incontinent if i could avoid it so that's why kegels are very important to me yeah i have heard some stories about men being in the room when their partner was giving birth Mm -hmm. and like the sight of a baby coming out is has like scared them off like their wives specifically their wives or their partner's vagina excuse me for one moment i just really think that this boy has something to say on the topic yes majesty (laughs) (laughs) thank you sir i don't want to go into that 
Because <laughs> it, it makes him angry. It makes him very angry. <laughs> He's super angry when it comes to, to, to foreign policy and trade tariffs. <laughs> but uh, incontinence, men need to worry about that too. So they do they male kegels. Right. That's important. But um, no, when I, I was there, I watched it all. I didn't turn away. I didn't faint. I didn't get mad at the baby or any, you know, I think, I think there's like these kind of like social, like they used to call them old wives tales that I think are like old husband tales now, you know what I mean? Where it's like, you're supposed to feel this way and you're supposed to think that way in regards to being a father, having a baby and all that stuff. And he's, he's like chiming in right now. But I think that um, it's a beautiful thing it's how we all got here is how we continue humanity and you should appreciate it and love it because it's one of the most beautiful things you'll ever witness in your life and and it should actually make you appreciate your partner your wife whoever you know what i'm saying because of what the woman has to go through to bring that baby here you know it's not easy so you should be there by her side and and be there for all of it and if the if the worst part of it for you is that you have to see a little blood or a little baby goo or whatever, like consider yourself lucky. You had the easy job. Oh. <laughs> she, I'm having an orgasm. She faints. <laughs> she faints. Yeah. I'm just you're very lucky, both of you. You're very lucky to have each other. And you're Thank very you. lucky to have the family that you have. I mean, I've ha- I'm very blessed to have spent some time with your family and I I love your people. Thank you. <laughs> you have such <laughs> you have such beautiful family with beautiful energy. I was actually having a conversation with my cousin about it and Aww. I was I was telling her about like just basically everybody that I've had a chance to meet and mm-hmm. and the specific bond that I have with your family. Yeah, you do. You're one of the daughters. <laughs> I am. <laughs> she's the a daughter Af- when the, she's in a the wife. African <laughs> what was it again? The <laughs> <laughs> the African. Um, oh, we had a story. We had a whole story. Yeah. But that'll be the next episode. We'll 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 bring the kids in for that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh man. But you know, I just want to say, like, I know what you mean when you say that we're we're lucky. I I definitely understand what you mean. But I also like to tell people, like, we work hard at it's it it isn't just luck in that way. Um, we've worked really really hard to establish the relationship that we have to have the family that we have. Um, We've done a lot of work within ourselves to be able to rise to each other's standards. So, you know, I don't want people to kind of see our relationship and be like, well, they're just lucky. You're like, no, you can can have whatever your picture of a healthy relationship is um, and with your partner or maybe your soon-to-be partner. You can have that too, but you do have to be willing to like look at yourself in the mirror and accept things about yourself, accept things about your partner, um, and really work hard to change the things that you don't like, you know? There is no such thing as luck. It's only the right preparation and the right timing and seizing a moment when you're in it. I I agree. I agree. Um, also, you guys, you make it look really easy. I mean, like, you make life look yeah, really easy. Yeah, that's the hard easy. work, coming <laughs> yeah. into practice. Yes. Um, so, going on to my next question. You kind of already answered this. How do you hold conversations with your kids about sexuality in an open space, knowing our cultural context? So, um, in Kenya, just how conversations about sex are really taboo. So, 
if you can try to imagine that this kid is probably going to go to school and share this information with their friends and how people are narrow-minded and at what age is it appropriate you you did mention and how can they learn to be open and accepting of themselves and of others well i think first and foremost kids learn at and at home you know you're the first teacher of your child so if you're open and accepting of yourself your kids will learn how to be open open and accepting of themselves through you so it's important to tell your kids like i said earlier age appropriate you know like if you are into bdsm and kink you know you're not just going to say to your 5 year old like mommy's going to go flog somebody tonight you know that's inappropriate but there will be a time when they do start asking questions about what they're into or what caught their eye or something like that, maybe in a movie or just out in the world somewhere. And if you hide who you are from that moment and then they find out later who you really are, then you're a liar forever. And that will definitely affect how they feel about what they're into because there's going to be automatic shame that's associated with it from that point. So, you know, let's say you're a swinger or polyamorous or something, and one of your dates or partners happens to be in a space with you, in your home with you, you know? Um, are you gonna hide your affection for that person? And then your kids wander upon it at some point, and then they think, oh my God, you're cheating on mommy or daddy or our family. You know, so you have to think of everybody's children are different. So you have to think about when your kids are open to the most basic levels of those conversations. And you don't even have to be into it. You don't even have to be uh, engaged in it. But saying there are many people on this earth and many people are in uh, people are unique individuals and they love differently and who they love is always different. And these are the appropriate ways to love somebody. And these are the inappropriate ways to love somebody. And we tell everyone the same as we tell adults, as long as you leave the kids out of it, you leave the animals out of it. And people who say no, that's a good start. And people who don't say yes. Right. Yep. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because consent has been my lesson for this trip. Yes. Consent is always key. Without consent, there should be nothing going on. Absolutely. Um, Jasmine, in, in the talks, in one of your talks yesterday, in your uh, porn and parenting talk, you did say something about having conversations with um, the kids and just making it as basic as, okay, so let's discuss boundaries. What part of your body do you not want to be um, touched? I think that was what it is. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So again, um, this is a conversation that needs to occur you know, continuously, not just one time you have a conversation. Just kind of think about yourself as an adult. Like when I was, um, you know, 16, I probably like to be touched in less places than I do now. Right. You know, that changes with me being comfortable with my body, learning new sensations and things like that. And I'm just talking um, right now from a sexual standpoint. But let's open it up a little bit more. Um, I remember in college, I didn't like to give people hugs for well I know why but the reason regardless I just didn't like it 
And now, like, I greet everyone um, for the most part with a hug, you know. And so things have changed. And so we want to teach our children that their boundaries can evolve over time as well. Um, so that way, it's, you know, just because you've always done something or because we've always done this in our family, that you have to continue doing that, you know, as you become an adult. So the conversation with kids are, let's just, yeah, like you said, really, really easy. Like, let's just talk about where you like to be touched or don't like to be touched. And um, really for the sake of, of children in this conversation, I'm focusing on where they don't like to be touched. Um, because what we want to do is when they're not in our sight, um, that they have kind of the words to help them defend themselves. Um, they also are aware of the fact that adults, again, they're learning directly from you, can respect boundaries or people can respect boundaries. So with my daughter, um, one of them doesn't like to be touched in the face. And that was something that once she shared that with me, I had to respect that also. So no, like go and pinching her cheeks. And, you know, unless again, as a parent, it's not functional, like you have, you know, a big booger on your nose and I need to wipe your face for you. Um, a lot of times helping with that autonomy is you clean it first. And then if there's anything that you don't get, mommy's going to help you with that. Is that okay? And, um, you know, so again, giving children autonomy of their body by sharing with you other than their genitals, where else they don't like to be touched. And then we respect those boundaries so that when they're not in your presence, they're able to defend themselves in that way as well. That's important. Um, a lot of young kids are raised with, uh, you know, um, uncle so-and-so has come in the house or auntie mm. so-and-so has mm. come in the house. Go give them a hug. Go. How? And, you know, it's, it's almost like. I remember just like my aunties, you know, yelling at me for not doing mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. And and um, I don't know if it's this. I don't know if it happens everywhere. I yes. just know that, <laughs> that in Kenya, you will be smacked if, if you, you don't, don't go and hug or if you don't go and kiss auntie so-and-so. Mm -hmm. But um, now more and more, I'm seeing um, parents allowing their kids to sort of have the option. Like Yeah. So for us, it's like, um, you know... Uh, Kaz is here, go greet her, or go say hi to Kaz. You know, it's not like go give her a hug because we don't even know if you want the hug, right? Um, so it's definitely still in in our culture and the culture of our household that if an adult or anyone comes in to visit that you say hello. So we're not raising rude kids, right? Um, we have one daughter that is going to hug you, and, um, and we have another one that's going to come to the stairs and be like, hi. <laughs> good to see you <laughs> and that's okay we don't give her the look like you know go um and we have to be there to defend our kids also so if someone says like if that aunt says like oh you're not gonna give me a hug that's when I get to step in I say she's not much of a hugger but come over here let's da -da -da -da. you know so I give my kids I have to back them up and um that's hard to do, especially if you were raised where you were being forced to, to do certain things or you feel like, I'm going to offend my aunt. But I'd rather offend um, an adult that doesn't need that hug than a child that needs that protection. Another question. I've had the sex talk in a beautiful and positive way, but not sure how to talk about sexual identity and preferences. How is one of the ways that we can discuss that definitely by letting the kids know that there are many different ways to love and every human being is an individual and they grow to love or are born with many options of how to love and who to love 
considering the fact that um, <laughs> in our country it's not legal mm-hmm. and it's um, more than that it's very socially frowned upon yeah. but even more than that um, being yourself could get you in a lot of trouble it, it's it's you're in danger and you have to let them know about that danger as well you know um, every form of danger it's important for parents to be honest with your kids about you know um like for example where to go where not to go you know if if a place is dangerous for you to be why it's dangerous for you to be there like don't just say don't go there you know let them know why it's dangerous to be there and in regards to if let's say your child happens to be lgbtq you have to say you know, there's nothing wrong with you. You have to let them know that you love them for who they are. But you also have to let them know that there are people in this world that are not going to love you for who you are. They're going to hate you for who you are. And you have to protect yourself. And you have to help them through all of it. You know, just the same as, you know, we have little black babies that we have to tell. There are places in, this, in, this, in our country that it's not safe for you to go. And these are what the things you have to look out for, these symbols, these words, these people, you know. And, and the same thing goes here. I mean, as, as open as America presents itself, there are very many places that you can't go if you're LGBTQ. So if, we, if, if our boy or our, or our girls are gay or lesbian or trans or whatever, we have to tell them, like, this is not a safe place for you here. This is a safer place try to seek out safe places for them to be you know um and it's tough because kenya is different than the united states in that aspect but there are so many places in the world that it's it's unsafe that you have to you have to try and work with them to at least feel safe in their home i just want to um add on to to I have a client that's in India and um, in the town in India that she's in it is very um, it's not progressive at all in that way and um, she shares with me you know kind of like the you don't understand here it's you know I can't be myself Um, so we've worked on finding online resources where um, you know she's able to express herself as a lesbian woman um, at least online you know, where she will get some of that acceptance and the, the feeling of um, of being accepted, the feeling of that how who she is is normal. Um, so just giving her a, a place and a, a space outside of her immediate community that allows her to feel like a part of a community that accepts and, and loves her. But at home, um, she does have to repress her expression. And, and it's sad and it is unfortunate, but until she has the resources to either leave that community or she feels that she is willing to um, handle the consequences of being free, then, then we have to find other ways to do it. And a big shout out to India because they recently decriminalized um, same-sex love. That's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. And and how yeah. people in the streets will still view you or approach you or attack you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if you are trying to show your love for somebody else in the open. 
Yeah, but the good thing is there is there there are now going to be set up establishments that have safer spaces for people to go to. So possibly, um, I'm I'm pretty sure she's she's definitely wired in or tapped let's into. Let's those hope places. so because yeah. India still has a very large problem with with attacks on women. Period. Not just women yeah, who are yep, in same that's sex true. That's true. same sex relationships. That's very true. Praying for people around the world. Actually, Absolutely. one of the things that I wanted um, to say is that you know how you how you tell people not to go to certain places that are not safe. Um, a lot of these people are actually born in these places that are not safe. Yes. And 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 a lot of the time they have to just if you're a masculine presenting female, um, then there's conversations. It has to be like, look, I know you really don't want to, but you're gonna have to wear a skirt <laughs> because otherwise your life is in danger. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, um, the it's no longer. I don't know what the term for it now is. But it was changed. It used to be called corrective rape. It's almost like conversion therapy here. To an, but oh, but not, not the rape. Piece. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so corrective rape, which it's not called that anymore. It's called something else because that was a really uh, disgusting term. Um, it's just like it's the men just think that they can rape the lesbian out of you so a lot of especially masculine presenting females get um get raped in the streets just because men feel like like oh oh you you don't like men i'll show you men power yeah that bullshit anyway but i think you also made a very important said a very important word at the end power because that's what it that's what it is men still feel they have power over women and women's bodies and their sexuality and that's something that has to be confronted whether it's if you're if you dress uh ma- if you're masculine presenting if you're feminine presenting if you, if every single sex. every single every single aspect of womanhood is always under attack by men who feel that they have some sort of power over a woman's body so you know i think um that's something that needs to be addressed in the home as well. Like when we when we do our our uh, porn and parenting presentation, I always joke that we're trying to help make one. Well, it's facts, but like I've presented, I say it like you know we want our daughters to be safe and our sons not to be douchebags. You know, it's very important that the conversations that I'm gonna have with this little man right here is to honor women not to feel that you have some sort of power over them just because you're a man or just because you were born with the penis. Like, you don't have that kind of power over anybody. And it's important to view everyone as your equal. Yeah. How do you um, start to have conversations with young people about, like, where babies come from, for example? How does that conversation go? Just being honest. Like, there is no reason why we have to make up this elaborate story the stories that people make up with telling children where babies come from are so much more far-fetched and elaborate than how it actually (laughs) happens and it's like you know you're able since you know um children usually ask where babies come from before they start asking like where are my ovaries or you know um what's inside of my stomach other than my stomach so teaching children where babies come from is also a great way to teach them about their body you know it's like everything in your stomach to an extent at least for a woman has a function um in making a baby so like why not just just say it i mean and for boys to learn what your sperm can do 
what its purpose um, or one of the purposes are. And when you're explaining where babies come from, you even get to add the pleasure of sex. You know, when mommy and daddy or whoever, you know, want to play and feel good as adults, we do this. And what can happen is this. And then the sperm goes in and it um, goes to all these parts of your body. And yeah, you have those parts of your body too. I think like it's a great way to actually introduce them to um, intimacy, pleasure, and functional the, the functionality of sex and the body. But like talking about like birds and bees and the stork and all of those things, it's just, it make, it's nonsense. Yeah, yeah. Especially when you think of not just the sexual aspect of where babies come from, but you talk about the nine months that form that form this child, how amazing the human body actually is. You know, there was something that we were reading about where it talks about his temperature is regulated through her breast milk. So if he if he's too hot or he's too cold, his body will regulate itself when he's breastfeeding. You know, um, all the antibodies that he gets to be able to fight off all the germs and diseases and all these things that, that float around in the world, you know, he gets that from breast milk. So why would you not want to teach your child about the amazing things that his or her body is capable of and how his and her his or her body has been fueled and brought into this world literally by your your mother and father's love you know like why make up something that takes that takes love out of your relationship with your child or or takes the hard work and the effort that it takes to raise your child you know like it's kind of like the Santa Claus gift thing. Like, I worked hard for these gifts. <laughs> I worked hard to pay for this gift for you. You should be happy and appreciate, you know, I think that appreciation, like so, so many people talk about their kids don't appreciate them. But at the same time, you're lying to them about where the things that they receive in this world come from or how they got here. Like the tooth fairy? Yeah, all these different things I that you're... <laughs> All these, all these things that, that they've got in this world that come from you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I think that it's very important to let them know that because then they will begin to learn how to appreciate what their parents, grandparents, family sacrificed for them to be here. I, um, I think the hard part, you know, people ask, ask these questions from like, uh, how do you do it or what do you say? And I don't think that it's for lack of education. I think that we all know, um, we could all explain to a five-year-old sex and pregnancy and, and the circle of life. It has to do with our shame around sex. That's, that's the truth. That's, that's so the truth. if, you know, stop asking the question of like, what do I say? You know how, we explain all kinds of um, really abstract concepts. Um, concepts to children all the time you know if they ask how does the airplane fly like we figure out how to explain that and none of us are engineer or not none of us but like in this room at least <laughs> <laughs> y'all don't know about yeah, me okay i'm sorry <laughs> Kaz, the engineer um you know we can explain some really abstract we could even explain god to children we do in in terms of teaching them you know religious education but the shame that we have um talking about sex sexuality 
that's really what keeps us from having the conversation. So stop thinking that it's that you don't know or you don't know how. It's ask yourself, why am I so uncomfortable with this? And then remove that barrier and you'll be amazed at what you can say to children um, in a way that they grow up without that shame. That's true. A lot of people, uh, actually that's true, any conversations about sex, a lot of people are, it's all about perspective, mm -hmm. so it's the way you see things yep. more than anything. Mm -hmm. that, that makes a lot of sense. So I think once you figure out how to, uh, once you figure out where babies come from, then you, <laughs> could, then you can share this story. Tell yourself the story and then <laughs> practice it, you know, you practice yes. saying it with yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How do you think parents should communicate with their kids more effectively on how to be able to ask questions. I'll give you an example. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure the, the question is straightforward, but um, I was abused as a child, but my parents never told me never to talk to them about abuse, but mm -hmm. I never did. Actually, I've also been um, um, deconstructing this uh, in my in my head very recently and I remember that one of the things was um, so when I was in when I was a little girl um, the school that I went to the prep school that I went to my mother worked there so okay. because and that's how I was able to go to that very good and expensive school um, one of the teachers who was an old white man um, used to s often sexually abuse me but this was during the holidays when I wanted to go to the swimming pool and he was the only one who, who, mm. would, accom who would accompany me to the pool because mm -hmm. you had to go with an adult. And my, my mom was not going to be that person. Mm -hmm. And um, actually, I realized that the reason I didn't tell her was because then she'd stop me from going to the pool. Mm. She'd mm -hmm. take away my swimming from me. Mm -hmm. But then um, uh, those are conversations I should be able to have. How, how do we start to, yeah. to tell people how to have these conversations? So first, I'm really sorry that you've had that experience. And... Um, I hope that you feel very proud of the work that you're able to do um, and be able to be so open and help other people who may be going through what you went through as a child. Um, I think as children, we don't know what we should and should not talk about with our parents um, if we're not, if that space hasn't been opened up for us already. So like you said, you know, saying things like you can tell me anything um, is really broad for a child. And I think also you having, just to go off of your example, you having this idea that you will be in trouble if you share what some adult was doing that is wrong. When, if we can tell our children, like, if an adult does something to you that makes you uncomfortable, I have your back, yeah. right? You see the difference there? It's like, oh, he's gonna get in trouble. And my mom will find out how to get me to the pool where instead we thought uh, or you thought um, what I like is going to be taken away. You, yeah. Does like, that make like sense? Because I and and the thing is, I, I remember n n he never actually said, don't tell your, you know, because a lot of people who've experienced abuse mm -hmm. have always been told by the by the predators, don't don't tell anybody otherwise. You know, what well, I mean? that's what they they use. They normalize sexualized sexual abuse. Yeah. Um, because if we make it a big secret, what do kids do with secrets? They tell them, Yeah. you know, or oftentimes or being I mean, if even him seeing your mother trusted him. Yeah. Um, so if he's a trustworthy person, then either no one would believe you. Yeah. Um, or be your mother would have so much guilt in the situation of allowing someone to, 
you know, giving, give, allowing, trusting someone that later hurt you. I mean, they, people that are predators, um, they're not trying to get caught. They have assessed the situation very well. They have assessed how friendly the child is, um, how vulnerable the parents are. Now, keep in mind, your mother worked at that school. So what would the consequences be for her versus a white man that worked at that school? You know, um, so, I mean, all of these things, their predators are very strategic about who they choose to molest. That's how they're able to continue to molest children mm. for years. Um, but I think, you know, for those that are listening and, and have children, be very specific with your child and, and saying they're like the same safe conversation. There are people who like to hurt children by doing these things. Um, I don't want that to ever happen to you. If it happens to you, or even if you think you feel uncomfortable, I want you to tell me. Um, and so being more specific, if something makes you feel yucky, you know, I'm trying to use words that maybe at that time, you know, maybe, um, or you're, you're being asked to do something that you don't want to do or you don't understand, I want you to tell mommy. Um, I even say to my cho children, like if I sent them with somebody that, that I trusted, when they come home, I still ask, did, did that person try to touch you in a way? Did they ask you questions about, um, about our household? Um, and then, they, then they're able to identify with, oh, okay, that person shouldn't be doing that. You know? And so I've opened the, the opportunity for that discussion. And if anybody has a problem with me asking my child those kind of questions, um, because it offends them, then they don't get it, you know. And it's not for them to get. Nope. <laughs> it isn't. Yeah. It isn't. Yeah. You know? Until you start paying bills. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and, you know, we people say, like, you know, how, you know, like, I've had friends say, like, you know, I wouldn't do anything to hurt your children. I'm sure you wouldn't. But I need to make sure of that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I get that. It's It's also just the... The, like the consent lessons, it's yeah. just, you know, it's pretty much the same thing. I get it. What are some of the biggest mistakes parents make when it comes to talking to their kids about sex? Do any, do you, do you well, I mean, I, I can't reiterate it enough. The biggest mistake is lying. You know, once, once you break your trust for your children, they're always going to remember that. And it's... I don't know if there's coming there's any coming back from it. If they don't feel safe to be able to talk to you about it and they can't trust you about it, then you're going to miss out depending on what what phase they figured out you were a liar, you know what I'm saying? You're going to miss out on on a on a phase of their life because they're not going to come to you with it. So if you're lying to them from when they're young and they find out about it about it in their teen years, then you're going to miss and then they're going to come home one day with a baby or you know, something else going on and you're going to wonder where you went wrong. You know, so I, I think that's that's the big one. So um, I'll share my mistake and then also what we've gathered from um, one of the child development and child specialists, Jessica Nader, that we've been working with. Anger, you know, meeting them with anger, um, instituting that shame. And I've I've done it with my oldest daughter where I've discovered something that she was doing. Um, and, you know, my first thought is like, what do you mean? And, and yelling and being really upset, responding out of fear, um, my own embarrassment, my own shame. Like those are my emotions uh, of how I felt like 
her behavior was somehow a direct reflection of me and my parenting, which it probably was, um, but that didn't mean that she needed to be met with with anger. And um, you can come back from that, which is revisiting and and being honest and saying I overreacted, or maybe I didn't overreact, but um, I didn't express my feelings in a way that were constructive to you being able to talk to me. Apologizing, I'm not apologizing for um, not being happy with whatever your behavior was, but I'm apologizing for making you feel bad or worse or, or projecting onto you. So, um, and then our, the, our child specialist, Jessica Nader says, when your kids tell you something that, um, you know, you're having a, a hard time receiving, she just puts it so simple. She's like, just blink your eyes. <laughs> just don't, don't say anything. Just keep blinking. That's what she says. And, you know, it's like, you can, you can always respond when you have the right words, but even if you need to say, like, I can't, uh, I don't know what to say to this right now, that even tells your kids that, like, you're not perfect and you're going to give it some thought. So when you do respond, it's going to be meaningful. But she's like, instead of opening that mouth, you just keep blinking your eyes until something that makes sense comes to you. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, thank you. Mm-hmm. And King, this last question is for you. How can dads be more involved in sex positive parenting, especially fathers of girls? By talking to your kids, number one, and stop having this, my daughter is a princess with a chastity belt that I've imagined around her sexuality. Um, Sex is not something to be ashamed of, and your daughter having sex is not something that makes you a bad father. It's not something that, you know, people have this Madonna whore complex, I think, and it's like, oh, my 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 daughter is either a virgin or she's a whore, you know, and that's not that's not how it works. So I think being very open and honest because, you know, a lot of it it can definitely be. Uh, uncomfortable and it's okay to be uncomfortable sometimes the the most important lessons that we learn in life are through breaking through uncomfortable moments but you have to be proactive and you have to talk to them or you're gonna regret it in the long run because who better to prepare your daughters for the world that they're living in than their fathers if you want your daughter to meet a man that's gonna respect her or at least care about her pleasure or you know, what, whatever you think is good for how you would treat your wife or your lover or your uh, a woman you're dating or whatever, you should want the same for your daughter. You shouldn't try to force her into some kind of unattainable chastity box. Even raising boys, I think, is also an important conversation, just the kind of relationship that men have with boys. Um, because, you know, we, we do live in a society of, like, don't wear that short skirt or you'll get raped as opposed to don't be a rapist. <laughs> For real. The, the, the rape, the raper is the problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I think we do a lot of uh, victim blaming and victim shaming uh, mostly because it's, it goes back to that same kind of thing of this, this male uh, power ego thing, you know, where it's like the, that boys will be boys mentality or, you know, even the other excuse that someone was acting f for asking for it or whatever. There's no outfit 
that has ever been worn that is okay to rape someone because they wore it. They weren't asking for it at all. So I, I definitely think, like I said, I don't want to raise a boy that's a rapist or a douchebag or a horrible person or, or, you know what I mean? Like, that's very important. And he's going to look at how I treat my partners. He's going to look at how I treat all women, women that you're not having sex with. That's just as important because some men only treat the woman that they have sex with with respect, if that. You know, so I think that that's very important. And teaching young boys at a very, at an early age, how to maneuver through the world and to be respectful as opposed to trying to move through the world and, and own it, I think is very important. No, I just think, like, whenever we have a conversation at home, um, or, like, uh, an example of, like, king sex-positive parenting that I think is very, um, very king-ish, we'll be watching something that is, like... CNN. (laughs) (laughs) Besides, the the one time that we turn the channel from CNN, um, and let's just say, like, it's something that's, like, really racy, or a movie or something that we see with the girls, and it has, like, a ridiculous sex scene in it or something, King will be like, well, that's uncomfortable, but let me keep it 100 with you. And then, like, talk about something, you know, that that is important for the girls to know. So it's like, you know, saying like, OK, this is awkward, but let's go ahead and talk about it. Um, we're acknowledging that it, it does feel weird. I think that's important so that we are even letting our kids know that even things that are hard to talk about still need to be talked about. And so when he's, he'll be like, you know, like, all right, I feel totally uncomfortable right now with all of us sitting here watching here watching this. But like 100%, he shouldn't have done that in the movie. You know, whatever, whatever yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah. And it kind of like breaks the ice for all of yeah, us to yeah, be yeah. able to participate yeah. in the conversation. Yeah. My dad used to always send me to get salt. <laughs> <laughs> always. And so much so that he and I were watching a film and it was always during the kissing scenes. As soon uh-huh. as they start kissing, uh, Samini, go and get the salt. Going at the salt. <laughs> and so uh, the amount of salt. <laughs> he has, must have hypertension. He actually has low blood pressure. <laughs> so he was always licking, like he always put salt in his hand and licked it. And licked it? it? Yeah. He just <laughs> oh, he was actually eating, eating the salt. salt. But like some movies uh-huh. definitely ended him up in like hypertension <laughs> situations because it's so like the table was like, Dad, how much more salt do you want me to get? <laughs> He's like, I just I won't watch. <laughs> yeah. With with the girls, I used to have them covering their eyes and like I don't do that anymore because I don't really think that that's the right thing to do. Um, it's I have to look at it from this point. I think it'll be this way with with him. So I'm trying to learn to be a better parent in this way is if they need to be covering their eyes because it is maybe um, a sex scene that is above their ability to comprehend um, or if it's content that is not okay for them, then they shouldn't be watching it, period. Yeah. Right. But there are some movies that have like that show love and intimacy or even um, that maybe makes you feel uncomfortable to watch it with your child. But you have to ask yourself, like, why is it uncomfortable if it's, you know, if it's like he said, the vision that you want for your child in their future, then it should be OK um, for them to see it. Or, oh, look how they show each other love, you know, or um, now we say stuff like, 
Mm-mm, she should not have done that. He does not even care about her because we, you know, and so we're actually using it to as a reference as point. a reference point. But if it's something that's like like sexual violence or things like that, where maybe the child is too small to be able to have a conversation along with that scene, then they shouldn't be watching it, period. But putting your hands over your eyes kind of starts that shaming yeah, piece, you yeah, know. Yeah. And I guess that's one of uh, that also answers the one of the things you shouldn't do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I tell my girls now, like, I'm like, this is totally inappropriate for any of us. Forget it. Stop. Like, we're not watching this movie. Yeah. 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 Okay. I like that. I like that. That's it. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to have some more kids. Can I, can I watch? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Bye guys. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. Jasmine, just really quickly. Um, with, What's it called? Blue Pearl? Yes. um, Blue Pearl Therapy. We are now um, partnering. So happy to announce this here with the The Spread Spread Podcast. Podcast. (laughs) Making sure that those of you who um, are interested in receiving mental health support, and it doesn't have to be around sex. Um, so the Spread Podcast members, you you have to be an official member. Yes. <laughs> no, if you're listening to the Spread Podcast, um, please reference the show, visit and send a message through bluepearltherapy.org. Um, and we have a special rate for those that are um, that live in Kenya and would like to access mental health support um, and maybe feel that otherwise they can't in their local community or need a virtual therapist. Um, for a special rate of $45 per session. So that that's something that we are going to start because we know that mental health um, ac- access is limited in certain parts of the world, especially to be able to talk about some of the things that we cover here on the Spread Podcast. Are they Skype sessions? Yeah, so we use um, Zoom, Skype, um, uh, me- virtual mediums that'll work. And uh, what are some of the ways in which people can pay? So um, PayPal, Venmo, um, on the website directly, we have um, ways that people can pay. So I'm happy to go over that with um, with potential clients. And we also offer an e-therapy. So some things are just really hard to talk about or privacy is not an option. And um, our therapists will do e-therapy. So that means we're typing back and forth to one another. Okay. Mm-hmm. And do you also do couples counseling? Oh, yeah. Couples, family, the whole nine. So I am a generalist um, therapist and so are the therapists that are with Blue Pearl Therapy. A lot of us just have a specialization in a particular area. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All of the information is actually in the description box below. So please just make sure that you visit the website. Um, and if anybody is interested and if you want to ask me any questions directly, then please go ahead and um, send us an email on host at the spreadpodcast.com. But that's going to be bye for now. Thank, Thank you guys you. so much. And uh, make sure that you go and check out the new single, Radiator. Oh, yeah. So please play that on the show for all the people to hear yes, it. Yes, it's playing and now, actually. Oh, snap. It's yes. the magic of podcasts for y'all. <laughs> but definitely go out there, iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, and everywhere the soundtrack to your sex life is at. And yes. that's what it is. And please make sure that you leave um, a five-star, click five-star, and leave a rating on the song on, on iTunes. And, of course, on the Spread Podcast, because Yay. that's how we're the best, because of you. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank oh, you. also, just like, you know, just go watch some porn as well. RoyalFetishXXX.com. Yes, some good porn. OMG, I saw a video yesterday. 
of you guys. Um, uh, when you're wearing the Juicified. Um, oh, um, yeah. Juicified and Sanctified. Israel song? He had it in his, um, in his thing. That booty popping. Girl. Jasmine. Trying to get back Jesus. to that. Jesus. Oh, Lord, I didn't even know that booty <laughs> could do that. Now I'm going back Royal to Fetish Yes. Okay, bye. Okay, bye for real. Okay, bye. Magdalene on St. Andrew's cross An underworld summon me a man of the cloth Roleplay just another way for getting us off This thing here for life, no kind of divorce Punishment is poetry when pain is pleasure Her fetish is fishnets, latex and leather Safe words placed all based on trust Shades of grey ain't got shit on us Body gets worshipped by substance surface Fill a body up and fulfill my purpose Massage her cervix, deep conversation And when she make a clap, get a standing ovation Show me what you got, take it to the top Shake and let it drop, make a thing pop Dom in the dungeon, all eyes on weak And the best part is that she leaving with me, she's Business and a body for sin. Come up for air, she wanna taste herself from my chin. Eyes of an angel with a devilish grin. We get it in like the world about to come to an end. <laughs> Practice sex magic, tantric witchcraft. All in the box, watch me saw in half. Got degrees in sex bird advice, you know the motto. Never fuck the same way twice. The botchery of all sorts, hedonism resorts. Uniform, and stilettos, and some poo poo shorts. Shorty stay thugging, sex toys in the luggage. TSA wanted such it, but it's not in their budget now. What's a king without a queen? Treat us so good, fuck us so mean. All live in HD, and the best part is, if she leaving with me, she. Hot like a radiator.